listening to the Grassroots Network podcast exclusively on the Pod Station. Get social at the Grassroots Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Welcome to episode three of the Grassroots Network podcast. On today's episode, I sat down with Bromborough and Eastern Chairman Reese Black. We talked about his club's philosophy culture he's trying to build and also the importance of volunteers. We talked a lot about grassroots football and how it can be improved, where we think it might be able to change and get better for the kids that we coach and I think it's a really good insight into how a club runs and what the thought process is that goes behind it. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and remember like, comment, share on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Welcome to another episode of the Grassroots Network podcast. Today, I'm joined by the chairman of Bromborough and Eastern Football Club, Reese Platten. Welcome, mate. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so Reese was actually the first guest we we had on the podcast, but unfortunately, I was I was one episode in and I didn't record it properly. So finally, about <laughs> six months later, we've managed to get round and record it again. So I'll start with how how did you get involved with grassroots football? How how did you how did this lead to becoming the chairman of Bromborough and Eastham as well? Wow, well, probably like most people involved in grassroots football, they get involved because they are literally um, a parent of any, you know. For me, I my son was involved and at the time, obviously with Bromborough and Eastham Junior Football Club, it's all run by volunteers like probably most grassroots football clubs are. And um, it got to the stage where they, they came out of what was known as the academy at the age of seven. Um, and the and the boys needed somewhere to 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 play and continue into a team. What does that look like? Unfortunately, that looks like a poor guy having on the sideline having to stick his hand up and uh, and and take the team on as a coach. Um, if I didn't do it, then who else would? And and I think that's sometimes when you look at it as a situation uh, with all grassroots football clubs, um, we live and die by volunteers. And and if you don't put your hand up to volunteer, then then it doesn't happen. So that was me and how I started with, with my oldest lad. Um, we're now in under 12s now and um, halfway through that journey, I, you, you always look at things and, and uh, I always remember the conversation with my wife and she said, um, you're going to coach this team? Because I, I used to play basketball for years and I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy this. I want to. I just want to be a, a dad on the sideline and, and watch my children enjoy football. I'm not going to get involved. She says, you know, you're going to get in, involved. And I said, no, 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 honestly, I'm not, I'm not. And it was at the very final straw of the, of the decision. It was someone has to take this team. Otherwise it's not going to happen. And I looked at it and I said, if I do it, I ain't going, you know, there's no one I'm like, there's no holding back. And, uh, <laughs> and then there, here I am now, like, you know, what, five, six years later, and now the chairman of the football <laughs> club. And, and uh, and that's just who I am, and 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 I th- I throw everything into everything that I do um, in any scale of life, and um, and I, I massively enjoy it. It's hugely rewarding, um, you know, just the enjoyment and, and the quality time that you spend with your own child whilst coaching, uh, and the enjoyment of the children that you're involved with anyway. Um, and then to become invo- be, um, I then became involved in the committee after about three years of coaching. Uh, in a in a in a sponsorship and fundraising capacity, and then the the guy who who was the chairman at the time, um, his son stopped playing football and and said to me, I think you should be chairman. And I, I kind of went back and had that conversation with my wife again. And she said, 
Told you to come to this, <laughs> and uh, and here we are, and 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 uh, now this is my third year as being a chairman, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, the rewards are massive. Um, yeah. it, we're, we're all volunteers in the club, and 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 great, massively grateful for everyone who gives up the time doing it. But you ask anyone, they they'll start out coaching a team, and it would just be them, and you'll find there'll be two dads, even even two dads and a mum, or or two mums, or whatever it may be. And and it grows and it grows and, and it's because of the rewards are so high. So yeah. I, I totally recommend it to anyone who wants to do it. Did, did you have any coaching experience before you took the role as chairman? Because obviously when you took that role straight out of the academy when your boys were playing, was there anything you'd done previously when you were younger? I mean, obviously I know you play basketball and there's, there's a lot of refereeing and yeah. so the, I, that being involved in that side of it as well. Uh, I mean, I... When I was in my sort of university years, I was heavily involved in sports development. Um, I had a lot of sort of community coaching at that part at that part of my life. Um, I then started playing National League basketball. So I was exposed to um, good level and good coaches during my time and what good coaching looked like. Um, and then at that point, when I had my... F- started to have children and settle down, I kind of thought, oh, I can't be traveling the country anymore. I've got to, I've got to do something else. And my missus said to me, oh, you... Take someone said, take up refereeing. So I took up refereeing. And as a, everything goes in my story, it's you start off small thinking it's you're gonna do something. It's all or nothing. Yeah. And then I, I grew the 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 ladder in, in in officiating in basketball, um, to then being on the national league scale that's uh, again and traveling the country again, refereeing and um and then having another child because I have four children, all who are involved in the club. I had to kind of say, right, I ain't traveled anymore. I'm, I'm sticking to this, something local. And, and and that's where I am. So I was fortunate that I had a lot of experience in, in at various levels. I'd been involved, you know, like, like I say, all or nothing. I've been involved in basketball Wales in terms of the governing body um, on the board there. And I've done a lot with North Wales basketball as well. Um, so I had a lot of involvement in sport all the way through. Um, but I never imagined I'd be involved in football. Yeah. Do a lot of the things translate over? So obviously being involved in the board and becoming the chairman, does it help influence decisions from from your experience and knowing how things should be run and 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 running a football club in a similar way, or is it a little bit of a different animal? Uh, it's a different animal because when you're involved in a governing body, um, there is pressures um, to succeed and take the sport uh, to an elite level. And um, all the time you were looking to create those successful pathways and and you are kind of challenged and on what's happening at the very top um, as more so than possibly what's happening at the bottom. I think when you look at when I came in to do the chairman, my philosophy was very much like, listen, we're all volunteers. Every, no one's getting paid to do this. And if you can give me an hour of your time a month or whatever it may be, then I'd be grateful of that. I, I don't care what it looks like or what you're doing. I'm just grateful of the fact that you can volunteer in any capacity. And that is the hardest thing to uh, to do is become a volunteer and get involved because if people feel like it's a big commitment, the difference is when you're involved with a board and things like that, um, there can be financial rewards for being involved in something like that. Whereas in grassroots football, you're a volunteer and and I think people forget that, what that looks like. And how much involvement is involved in that in terms of how much it can take over your life. But at the same time, you can you can put into it as much as you want and take out and, and, and put into it as little as you want. 
but the rewards are still going to be high when you volunteer. Um, I, like I say, it's something I would recommend to anyone who wants to get involved in, in anything, in any shape of life. Yeah. Well, that brings me on to me next week. We obviously talked about being pressures at the top and a bit of elitism and stuff like that. I know very closely and I, I, I absolutely love the philosophy of, um, of Bromborough and Eastham and the way you run it and how the committee promotes a lot of the stuff. But just in your own words, give us, give us a, an idea of the philosophy and how you run the club and the committee runs the club. Yeah, we were founded originally um, by Simon Scroxon, who who took the opportunity to create a club that was for the kids. And the idea was it was run by the kids and it was for the kids. And I completely agree with that. And and what that what does that mean? So that means basically we are not structured on on elitism. We're not picking the best kids. We are wanting to give every single kid the opportunity to play football in whatever shape or, or whatever it may look like, boys, girls. We want them to come and play. We want them to come and play with us. We want to make sure we've got an open door policy. Uh, it does have its criticisms because people believe in in the best kids should always be promoted. I, I have no issues in, in, in talent identification and those good, strong kids should be taken on by a club that is at the top. No problem whatsoever. And I would be more than happy for um, external coaches with high-level quality coaching badges. Um, but what happens, unfortunately, in the grassroots game is um, people without coaching qualifications and and the good quality coaching experience focus on the element of winning. Mm. And And for me, what I like about our club is that we're not focused on winning. We are focused on kids' enjoyment and making sure that a child has the maximum amount of enjoyment when they walk through our doors to come and play football. If they're not enjoying it, we want to know why and we want to fix it. Um, and I, and it, it's hugely important to us that as a club that um, every child feels as an equal, yeah. regardless of what team they're playing in, how they're viewed or whatever it is. They turn up, they're all involved, they all get minimum game time, um, they're all in kits. We want to make sure that they have the best possible experience and they all walk away, win, lose or draw. They all walk away smiling, uh, smiling every day. Yeah. I mean, I've seen this firsthand. I think um, conversations we've had previously, I think you made a really, really good point when, say, a coach has got um, top, top players and you've said before and they've said, well, we only want players of a certain standard. And you're like, okay, well, what qualifications have you got? So yeah. if these players come in, you're just a level one parent coach. Now, don't get me wrong. I've met I've met coaches who are really, really good level ones, and I've met really, really rubbishy way for B coaches. But I, I absolutely love that point where what gives you the right to want this best team? Are, are you putting that effort in? Are you putting two, three hours in a week getting that thing? And I think going back to being volunteers and saying if you could just give me an hour of your time, you'd be grateful. And that translates over to the kids as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's um, I, when coaches come to me and say, oh, I don't think this child's good enough or whatever. And I always look at it and go, well, what about the child that's too good? Yeah. Are you ever, are you, I wish I had a hundred problems where coaches were coming down to me and saying, I've got a problem here. This, this child's way too good for my team. What can we do with him? That's no, never the case, though, it's is never it? the case. Coaches never want to keep all of them Absolutely. Kids. And I look yeah. at that and go, okay, so you want to create a, a trapdoor mentality. What is a trap? What gives you the right to give that trapdoor mentality? Are the coaches knocking on my door saying, 
obviously there's a bill for a hundred pounds. I've just gone on the CPD development course yeah. and it's all about X, Y, and Z, or I want to do my level two. I want to do my UA for B. I want to do this, 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 this. If they were, then fantastic. Cause we would create a, an opportunity. Um, and we, we would, we would, we would create that pathway for our coaches. Hundred percent. We would back them a hundred percent. There you go, Bromber and Eastern coaches. If you're listening to this now, get knocking on Reese's door and asking for your calls. Well, we, up, great. The <laughs> thing is, we, we we do it and and we and we and we encourage it. Yeah, and of course you do. And um, we we look and we've been, we've been uh, engaged with a coaching partner. Um, with a point in in Peninsula Football, have been fantastic. Who come down and they will work with our coaches. They will work making sure that our transition from under six to under seven. Is, is is strong um we will make sure that that happens we also have a um, um a coach mentor in place who's a ua for b licensed coach who's on hand to take advice listen to problems coaching situations um we've put all those structures in place to make sure that actually coaches have got someone to turn to and, and develop the skills um and we've and we're, we're always saying listen if you want to do level one, level two, UA for B or whatever it may be, we will try and find a way to fund that for you because if you're upskilling yourself, you're going to potentially give our children an even better experience. Yeah. Um, so I would have no issues of trying to find a yeah. way of doing that. Um, yeah. But as we all know, grassroots football, it's it's quite tight financially for yeah. clubs uh, and not everyone has that luxury. Um, but, if you, but if you create the right atmosphere and the right pathways, you can build these things into, into it and and we certainly would do that for anyone who wants to do it, definitely. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing, isn't it? Making sure that that the kids have got a coach who's attentive and they he, he, they know that he cares. Like a lot of, we spend a lot of time when we've looked around and we have a lot of kids who come to our sessions and stuff. A lot of the parents who bring them, they're the coaches and the the atmosphere they've got at their training. Like I watched Titans the other day train up at Woodsley when we were doing um. Uh, club kicks and i don't think there was like a flat five minutes in the session the the coaches kept everyone on the toes they kept everyone going there was lots of happy faces and smiles and stuff like that and i think from from the top to the bottom depending on what your older stage group is i think starting with the younger ones from the new under sevens teams if, if your philosophy sticks with them you're going to have a whole club that just enjoys the same sort of thing, aren't you? And 100%. it's just going to go through the whole... I mean, obviously, you're going to get some teams that yeah. might not. And this is something that, as a as a philosophy and within our club, that we are trying to create a culture where we we live and breathe this, and we breathe this through from our under-sevens when we bring on our coaches, and it should develop all the way through to their whole coaching journey. So if, that, if, if, if they're buying into our ethos and... Um, and they're breathing what we what we would call our Bromber and Eastern way of life, then we would have no issues in with a in in attrition. Kids would stay regardless because at the end of the day, they're they're having fun and and they're enjoying it. The parents are engaged. The parents turn up and they're having fun. They're enjoying it, and there's a real family community element to that part because that is equally something that, uh, although we focus on the kids, mm. we've got to buy into this family community feeling and and really build that part of the club as well and that's something that we also look into because uh, we're a, we are a community club and um and, and what does that mean for the, for us in terms of being in the community because we've got an open door policy we we actually do what we can to help and support parents and families um it probably doesn't get advertised enough 
but we do a lot. Um, and our welfare officer, um, Joe, she's absolutely fantastic. And some of the work that she does behind the scenes, you just don't you don't see it on the face value. But some of the support networks that we've got um, within the club and some of the support that we give families is, is second to none. It yeah. really is. And 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 I and the one thing I kind of go back to when we when we talk about safeguarding and the importance of doing FA safeguarding courses, people always have the mentality of that'll never happen. Mm. That'll never happen. Why, why do I need to do this? That'll never happen. Why do I need to do first aid? That'll never happen. I'm okay. I've got a good set of parents. I've got some nice kids. Well, actually, it happens. And I can honestly say, um, you know, we're a big club now um, with, with well over nearly six, over 600 children registered at our whole programs. And these things happen and they exist within our community. And, and you've got to be prepared for them. And I think that is something that we've taken time out aside of being what is a football club to being a community club and making sure that we take care of our parents and look after our families and look after those children. Um, and that is a big part of what we do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Well, it all adds to the culture and the ethos, doesn't it? And and having it across the board with everyone from yourself to Joe to Gareth to James to Sue, everyone who's on board with that, it makes life easier for everyone because there's no mixed messages, there's no different crosswires. With all that being said, like, what what's the next step for the football club? Because there's there's still a, not a long way to go, but you're heading in the right direction. Everything you are doing, which is positive, and how do you improve on it? How do you build on it? How how do you bring the club further on into the future? Well, it's a great question. <laughs> um, it's a very difficult one, and I, and I think I think we we've got to keep embracing the volunteer aspect because like anyone who will know in grassroots football, you're only as good as your volunteers. And um, that part of it, it, we've got to encourage people to get involved. And I think if we're creating the right culture and the right environment, then you create a discretionary effort and people will come and volunteer and they will do bits for you and they will come and do that. And they'll, they will help transform that club and help help us keep building. And that is what we all, all we can aspire to. I mean, I can't. I mean, I'm very lucky that I have a, a great team, a, a small committee, but offer huge value, and um, some of the work that they do is is unbelievable, and and some of the some of the time and the effort they put in, it's almost, I hate to say it, it's almost like a full time job for some of them. Yeah, it, of course, it really is. is. Yeah, anyone and, involved with grassroots and, knows and I, how much it can be. And I think what we need to do is, as a club to evolve, we need to take some of that time back from those people. And, and encourage more volunteers to come and help. Uh, and, and every grassroots club will have that issue. I'm sure they're all crying out for volunteers, you know, just little jobs around the club, little bits and bobs. What can we do better? What can we do this? And because it all takes time and everybody, everybody's got full-time jobs or everyone's got other commitments in life and, and football is secondary to everyone because family does come first. And um, the hardest thing to do is get those extra volunteers. But if we can keep going in the direction that we're going, um, we're very fortunate as a club that we've got an excellent partnership with Peninsula Football who have been second to none in, in helping us develop that foundation, building that, um, literally that that foundation to the club where actually those guys are second to none in terms of coaching capabilities and, 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 and embedded within our culture of bringing kids and coaches through that. So that that journey that they go on with those guys sets them up for the journey with us. And and as long as we keep building on that, 
then who knows where we could be. Mm. I mean, granted, we're we're without a home and um and yes, we've got we're very fortunate we've got a great partnership now with South Royal High School. Um we're very lucky there. We've got excellent relations with other schools and we're building on relations with with with, with local authorities. But we need that place to say, this is now our home and, and everyone knows about the difficulties that we've had with, with things like the Octel Club and things like that. Um but we but that shows the spirit of the club. You know, we lose a venue and we, we we stand tall, we stand together, we stand united and we continue to build and we continue to grow. And I think that's that's a testament to the character of the club and the people involved in it. Mm. So once we get that part, piece of the jigsaw, which is how do you get that piece of the jigsaw? Yeah. Yeah. And where'd you get land? Mm. Where'd you get it? <laughs> and it's it's a difficult one to find, isn't it? Yeah. Well, speaking speaking from experience, obviously I I own and run Peninsula Football and when we started, was it just after lockdown finished? I think we took yes. the first sort of step of foundation. So from coaching under fours, fives, sixes and sevens, I never would have thought that we'd be where we are here now. Um, a fantastic relationship. I I personally, my 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 personal philosophy and my footballing philosophy was completely different and Having done the job that I do and and working with the people I've worked with at Bromborough and Eastern, my outlook's changed a little bit. We've got in the future, from a family perspective with our daughter, we've got a lot of decisions to make ourselves. And we find that what you were saying about giving volunteers the time back, that family element you're looking for, it connects it because we've got a lot of Bromber and Eastern kids who come to all our football camps and our sessions and stuff like that. And we spend a lot of time with these people now and you see them at South Whittle, you see them at Woodsley and it is like seeing your family and it's, it's like, how's everyone doing? Especially like all the new under sevens teams. We, we, we make a point on a Saturday morning of going and watching play if they've got a game or we make sure we watch them train. And I'd like to think that that gives the coaches and the parents a little bit of clarity a little bit of sort of, you know, this is, we're still here. Don't worry, yeah. we're still here. And then that married partnership of, of Bromber and Eastern and Peninsula, it, it feels like a family. And that home, like you say, is the last piece of the jigsaw, but it's it's still, that home would probably be nothing without the, the, the culture before it, if yes. that makes sense. Yeah, of course it does. Because yeah. when you do get into that home and when, when, we, when there is somewhere to be found, it's going to be a special place. There's going to be a lot of community stuff. There's going to be a lot of happy, happy children and also happy families as well. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be an exciting future and hopefully, hopefully it doesn't take too long. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. I mean, when I look at our club now and I say, what is our ceiling? Our ceiling's under 14, not through choice, yeah. just, just through time of evolving. Mm. And, and in, um, four years time, our ceiling will hopefully be under 18s. Mm. And and the way that, that the peninsula have, have grown our foundation of the club and given us that base, the last two seasons alone, we've developed four teams for the both both years. And at that growth rate in four years, you, you're potentially looking at another 16 teams. That's another, you know, how many more members could that be? Mm. You, you, you could be talking another 160 to 200 members on top of 600. You're almost talking 800 kids. I mean, what a fantastic achievement that would be that you're having a huge impact on 800 children yeah. on a weekly basis. 
Oh, and by the way, absolutely fantastic experiences across the board as well. Like you, you go and watch the games and the parents are living every moment of it. The the children are living every moment of it. There's been some absolutely cracking games I've seen, especially from like the newer teams, even the teams that came through last year that we didn't get a chance to. We, we spent quite a bit of time with them, but it's not as much as what we probably would have liked. So like Chris Marshall and yeah. um, Pete Whitby and stuff like that. They, their teams are absolutely brilliant at the moment and <laughs> seeing half the kids, it's it's just great. Yeah, and I think that, and a lot of that as well, being in that environment come match day, it comes from preparation. So as a club, we're very strict in terms of where does the respect barrier go? Where do the parents stand? Um, you know, and making sure that managers are set up correctly because if you create that environment and create that structure, then everything else falls in place onto match day. So that parents can actually turn up and think, mm. this is going to be great this because I know from experience I've turned up to away games and I've seen what is the dreaded grassroots football yeah, experience. and proper one. <laughs> exactly, and I've seen it and you look at it and you think, well, they're not stood behind anything. They're too close to the pitch. There's no control Screaming from the coaches. And, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's about educating your coaches to making sure that they know how to handle that situation. But more importantly, it's putting in structure for a preventative measure so they understand that actually uh, my parents are all both pets of parents are standing behind the respect barrier far enough away from the pitch and the coaches and the subs are on the other side and the coaches are allowed to coach the referee can ref it's it's their voice referee can ref if you put those measures in so it seems so simple but it's so effective at the same time and it's only when you go back to there's no respect barrier parents are stood on the sideline literally on the line and coaches are also are then having to encroach onto pitches and all of a sudden everyone's on top of each other and yeah. it creates a, a, a cauldron of that. You, like, you create your own situation. You create your own, own situation massively. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we're quite lucky in that we create that structure and we build that structure into our um, our home environment um, and we've taken a lot of measures um, in the last 12 to 16 months into saying, what does Bromber and Eastham look like? Mm. Well, actually, it looks like blue and red, and it's blue and red all over. Everything that we do from kit choices, which the kids vote for, mm. so we give the yeah, choice to do, the kids. Yeah, yeah. So we say, listen, this this year we're going to, these are the choices. Kids get your votes in. The kids choose the kit. So they're already buying into what we're doing. It's not the club making the decision, it's the yeah, kids making the decision. They get that interaction, they, they get that interaction. feel part of it. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it becomes a talking point within the community. We do competitions where it's like, wear your shirt, go on a holiday, wear your shirt, and let's get some photos in. All of a sudden, kids are taking the photo, photos of themselves wearing the jersey on holiday, blue and red, all over every, everything we do. Well, we had it here, didn't we? We did, uh, we did the summer tournaments a couple of weeks ago, the beginning of July, and literally, I think, because obviously we put it out to you guys and, and a couple of other clubs first, and literally the first set of gazebos, it was like seven or eight of them that all had about three or four Brumber and Eastern <laughs> flags. It was great. And yeah. literally you couldn't walk past without seeing them. It was, And as, as you travel around the world and stuff like that, there's lots of that you see. And it's 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 brilliant because all the kids enjoy playing for, for the yeah. club, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about, that, and it goes back to that family feel that it doesn't matter who you are, what team you're in, we're creating one environment. And I remember uh, one of the first decisions that that we took um, when I came chairman and one of the first things that we decided to do, it felt like probably in the same way, and I imagine a lot of clubs are like this, it felt like there was a boys club, 
and a girls' club. And the first thing we did was go, no, there's, there is no barrier here. We are one club. We are all wearing the same kit. We are all part of the same interaction. Training sessions will take place in similar venue, in same venues. Pitches will take place where we can, same venues. We want to see girls' teams training with boys' teams. We are one. We're not two separate identities, and and we've really not we've really focused on breaking that barrier down so that the boys and girls are are combined. And I think that has helped hugely because we've had a real buy-in from the girls' side who don't feel isolated anymore um, a little bit and. It's it created that culture and, and like going back to that family feel and that that breathing the ethos through the club. It all comes now because there's no there's no there's no there's no silos there's no mm. silos in our club. We are one club, and I think that's a huge difference. When you first took over as a committee, did you find it difficult to change a few things because there were people who were against it? Did, was there any? Not I wouldn't say kickback because you never do, but was it very? Was it? at some parts difficult to persuade all the guards of the club who were before you to, to kind of go with your thinking or was it all everyone on board from day one? It was, it was a difficult time for the club. And I think if you to ask anybody, I don't think the previous committee realized how successful they were going to be mm. and they were very successful. And you look at what the job that they did and they took it from two teams to 30 teams in five years. I mean, that is an incredible growth rate. And for those guys who it became, they were they were sprinting before even walking. Yeah. And and but unfortunately, what I could come in and, and with the team that we've got, we, we have the experience and knowledge of actually how to just settle the ship and go, right, let's put some processes in place. Let's put some structure in here. Let's automate some of these processes. Let's put uh, a customer feel to to registering with our club and um, making sure that people get nice welcome letters. They make sure that they get um, a, a nice interface with the with the website so that the, the registration process, touch wood, should mm-hmm. be seamless and straightforward. But we've created a membership for the club as opposed to a membership for a team. Mm. And I think that's been one of the huge differences. And yes, at first people probably look and go, oh, okay, because, you know, you get some managers that like to be in control of their own little yes. destiny and their own parents and this, that, and the other. And we've knocked that barrier down to say, actually, do you know what, managers? You guys focus on coaching the kids. But what we want to make sure is that from a back office, from a registration, from collecting subs, collecting fees, and uh, that it's that's t- that element's taken away from you guys, so that you can just turn up and enjoy coaching the kids. Because if if you're turning up and enjoy coaching the kids, then the kids are going to enjoy jo- in your sessions. And that's something that we've got to really focus on, making sure that um, coaches are well supported in that side, so that they are literally sorting out the matches, making sure everyone knows where they're going, yeah. and enjoying the sessions and plan- session planning, so that the kids have the maximum amount of fun. Yeah, um, that's. It, it's very difficult to get that because I found when I've spoken to a number of people from a lot of different clubs, when you have that committee changeover, it's so it can be it can be so difficult to persuade a lot of old guard about the new the new ways of doing things and trying to persuade them. You find a lot of people they don't like change and yes. this is how it is and this is how it needs to be done, but 
with it being for the benefit of the kids and this is what the kids need you can't really argue with that can you no there's there's nothing really we were we were on a we were on a treadmill that was going really fast and um it was almost like some of the committee just fell off the treadmill because it was going too fast for them so for us to get onto that treadmill on that journey and and take those elements and take control and it was like actually we're not changing things we're just building which is continually building on what was already a, a fantastic foundation from those guys. And, and and they still keep their hand in now. They will still come yeah. back in and go, how are you getting on? That, that was the next question. Do they still? They still come and have those conversations. Mm. Um, they'll still come up. And and, and do you know what? We do something that um, Simon, who, who whose child's no longer in the club and who was the original founder, uh, as an honorary thing, we've, put, we've done something that's called a Scroxton Award in honour of his, so that his name's always going to be remembered. Yeah. And it basically, the, the concept of this award is so that it, it, it recognises a volunteer and the efforts that the volunteer has done to maximise the enjoyment of children within our club. And we present it every year. And, and, it's, and it, it's a great thing to give out. And, and when we speak to people that were in the former committee, it's all the time saying, I love the Scroxton Award. I love what you're doing with the club. We still keep tabs on it. It's going in the right direction. It's done a great job. I mean, I hope that's what they're saying. <laughs> they say that to me anyway. But, um, but it, and, I, and I think a, a lot of people would would turn around and say, um, "I'm amazed you find time to do this." It's so difficult, and, isn't it? And and I think where I'm actually very lucky is that um, my wife was roped into this, and and I remember the first day it, she said, "Oh, how oh, did the." Uh, <laughs> how did the AGM go? And I went, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was okay. I said, I'm, I'm chairman. I'm by chairman. The way. <laughs> I'm chairman. She said, oh, well, well, congratulations! And I thought, oh, brilliant. By the way, I've roped you in. <laughs> and she was like, well, what do you mean? I said, I need your help. I need you to do some of this in, in the finance because she's so methodical and a, and a job, and she's so she's brilliant in that side of things. And then, so I'm lucky that I've got that uh, engagement from her. Um, and she's and she's done wonders in terms of developing that. Um, she's gone from strength to strength in terms of applying herself into the into the club, and um, she takes a lead role now in, in her journey. Over three years, she's gone from being in the finance to the treasurer, and and, it, and that's through merit because she's done a fantastic job, and uh, she's changed things, and 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 we're just a smooth ship now. We really are, and it's. Um, I'm quite lucky because most people probably go home and go, yeah. oh, don't talk to me about football. Yeah, yeah. Don't talk. I'm sick of hearing about football. I'm sick of it. I actually, we will talk about yeah. the structure of the club. Well, it's, it's the only way you probably, your relationship works, doesn't it? Because <laughs> with the amount you, the, the both of you are doing, it, it's so difficult to, to get away from the subject. Yeah. And obviously with the boys and, and, and your, is it yeah, Jessica? Yeah, yeah, your Jessica playing football. There's yeah. not much else. It's like me and Lib as well, because yeah. everything's football, everything's this, that, and other. You, you build, and a lot of families and a lot of other people be exactly the same way. Yeah. The whole lives, once you hit seven, eight, nine years old, and yeah. every Saturday in three, four days of your week's training, it just revolves around football. I'm sure everyone can can relate to it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult to switch off sometimes, and I think that's um, because, because we run a smooth ship. I think people will expect a reply on things or an action on things sometimes and sometimes you've got to turn and go do you know what we're only volunteers 
just like most people yeah. involved in the game, we're only volunteers and and you've got to you've got to give us that time to do it. You know, we've got a family life too. We want to spend quality family time with our kids and our mm. other family members and friends and things like that. Um so but I think people appreciate that. Mm. And I think because of the ethos that we've got within the club and the structure that we've got, um, our door is always open. And and I hope that that is part of what we do. Uh, and and people will come and talk to us and people mm. will say, how can we do this? How can we do that? What's this? What's that? And we're, we're there to help. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, and we love it. And, and I think, I think you love it because you can see the difference it makes in people's lives and the difference it makes in kids' lives. It's, it's huge. Yeah. It's really ma- it's it, massive. You wouldn't do it otherwise, would you? Because obviously the definition of insanity is, is doing the same thing and expecting different results. But you walk out and to be fair, it's probably the same across most clubs where you, you you go to a football club or you go to your local field and watch matches and stuff like that and there's kids happy and smiling. Occasionally there's gonna be that bad situation, but most of the time you see a group of kids like one of the things recently we've had is we've got a lad who um he comes to our blind or partially sighted sessions, plays for West Kirby, he's under thirteens, it was his first eleven aside game with his team. They were like division seven, but they'd gone a whole preseason without winning the game. They turned up. They won one nil. They didn't even have nets on the goals. But the lad who comes to us, he scored the winning goals, and he ran straight to his dad across the whole line. Got a high five off the whole line. <laughs> the team's hugging and everything. And then to be fair, the opposition coach—they were playing an in-house game. The opposition coach ran up to him and high fived him <laughs> as well, as if to say, "Well done, yeah. me." And that's the opposition's manager. Yeah. And, and it's—they're the things that it's the that magic moments, see. isn't it? Yeah. That we talk about this. I mean, how can we create magic moments? You, you create them by creating a positive environment, yeah. and kids just they'll just bounce off it, yeah. And it, they give you give a child opportunity, and they'll thrive. They give yeah. them, it doesn't matter. It, I, I, you'll know as, as more than anyone that children's development th- through um, physical play is is at different stages, and all of a sudden they may be, the child may be nine. And it's like someone's turned a switch on them overnight yeah. and they and come back click. and it just yeah. clicks and away they go and you never look back. And and that's why we always say in our club is, is, is stick with them because that switch will happen. It will happen. And they will all at some point just to start to shine and create magic moments. And and you want to be there to enjoy that because it's it's absolutely something else when that when that happens. It's, it's, it's a brilliant feeling. Yeah, they're the best moments. I mean, you can go especially if you follow your grandkids team, if you follow, you know, your son, your daughters, family, friends, anything like that, there's always a story to be had in there. And I think that's the special thing, but then you get some of the bad points and sometimes it can be difficult. You get, you get certain parents who make life hell. You get, you get managers who think they're in it for, for one reason to win and one reason only, which if you're at a club or a team that suited to that, then, you know, that's fine. There's no, wrong way of thinking about it but surely the hot the end goal should be about up to a degree maybe up to a certain age getting those kids playing out on a field and making sure that they're having fun i think that's um i think that's the most important thing and if if there's anything you could change in particular about the way grassroots is is played is it done is it ran because we we hear horror stories every week we hear Certain things where oh this could be better this could be better so w- what would you change? It's a difficult game, really difficult question because 
grassroots football uh, is a horrendous environment at times. At uh, times. At yeah. times. And um, and that comes pressure comes from winning. This, this win at all costs mentality. And the coach may have the best philosophy, but it only takes a parent to spoil it. The parent maybe have be great, but the child may be hung up on winning. And there's, there's there's so many different minor fractions that can just tipple the edge. And it, it's so difficult. I, I heard an argument saying, wouldn't it be great to see, um, to play kids football behind closed doors? <laughs> and yeah. What would that look like? What a great question. Yeah. The kids would probably have a lot of fun. Yeah. The coaches would be able to coach. Well, it's a, it's a shame and at academy level where parents are told this to, to be silent because you don't come back. Yeah. It'd be great to have that ability and that power at a local level to do that. But unfortunately, you just can't, can you? It, it, it would. But then the atmosphere you get on a field when it's, in yeah, a, when I, it's done yeah, correctly so, yeah. is special. Mm. You know, when when parents are there cheering kids from both teams mm. and, and 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 celebrating great moments and those magic moments whether they happen for your team or the away team that's what it's all about and it, it's um it's so difficult to create that um and but i think when you look at football it's it's a it's a support it's a sport where kids can succeed and can succeed very quickly and i think that's that's the gift that this game's got i mean when i my sport basketball it's very difficult for a child to put a ball into a hoop that is the size of two basketballs. And when they start that process and trying to learn that, it's very easy for them to give up because they're getting no success mm. at, at getting that, that ball through the hoop because that is the success that the child receives getting it in. Football, it's, easy to, it, it's a lot easier to kick a ball into a goal, yeah. an empty goal. Um, I know that with the game, that, that changes, but... But the instant success that that child can get from that, whether it just be in a training session through um, through organised play or in match day football, they, they all can do it. So it goes back to making sure that how can the game change? The game can change by just keep believing in the kids, keep keep investing your time into it and keep developing yourselves as coaches. Um, that is the one thing that that I think when I look at it as the grassroots structure, for me, the hardest thing is 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 that accessibility to coaching, developing yeah. coaching. Mm. Um, I mean, it's about one hundred and fifty pounds and sixty pounds just to do a level one course, which is now online. Mm. So already you've lost that face time. Yeah, with experienced, with experienced coaches, coaches, a lot of experienced coaches. Well, yeah. for the for the ones I know who delivered, who were very thoughtful and and their approach to the game was very very grassroots and volunteer orientated as well. Yeah. Because it wasn't just the say the the competitive side of it. It was the it was the psychological psychological side of it where okay, how how we coach, how we coach a player, um and what are the players' needs and requirements and stuff like that. But now it's moved online. You you don't really get to probably answer ask the questions about certain kids you've got in your teams and mm. this, that and the other. I would love the FA they talk about investing in grassroots football. I would love the FA to invest in its volunteers because if it's investing in its volunteers, then those volunteers are investing their time into the kids and giving the kids a better experience. So I would love for the FA to give a lump sum of money to a peninsula football or, or something like that to develop them as coaching mentors to go out into communities and develop coaches. 
mm-hmm. and, and, and make it affordable. Yeah. Make it free. Make make that part of the game where actually that there's that is accessible mm-hmm. to all. Anyone who crosses that line to coach would be yeah. would be massive. You so. know what? It's it's funny because it was accessible at one point. You had the coach mentor program. I did I did two or three CPD events on it and I got my coach mentor badge and that was four or five years ago. Now I don't know what happened with all the funding and stuff like that, but you, you certainly you've got to think to yourself that these things should and can be made available again. Like Yeah. I, I don't get it. But I think you're right. You invest in your volunteers, you give them good cause and good reason to be able to keep these kids interested in the game up to all levels. And I think you you're onto a winner, really. Patch of grasses costs yeah. nothing. Mm. A football costs ten pounds. But to give a coach to turn up to coach ten kids you're asking him to pay £150 to give him that knowledge and experience to develop those 10 kids. Now, that's the one expense that needs to be eradicated. Mm. And that should be available, readily available, and resources should be available to help those people cross that line and go. Because if that one coach can coach 10 kids, then who knows where those 10 kids may end up. Mm. It only takes one of them, and they've made it on the journey. Or you may end up with two of those going to coaching in their later life, and the two of those coaches can then coach another yeah. 10 20 kids and all of a sudden that investment mm. in time will, will, will reap the, you'll reap the rewards from it yeah. it'll be massive and that's, yeah. that's the thing that's got to change yeah i mean the, for, for anyone listening who is is looking for things to do the the fa website and the for us in particular cheshire fa have got a lot of resources and stuff twitter is a great resource but ultimately you've got to give these coaches incentives like like you said if a hundred and what was it? One hundred and fifty pound for your level one now online. Okay, that's an incentive to just go and get a qualification. But that again, as I, as I mentioned earlier, doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach. Because being a good coach is what impact and and positive outlook you you translate over to these kids, uh, whether it be even an adults team and stuff like that. Women's football now, like the positive impact and the positive influence you can have on all ages and all levels. I think there needs to be maybe a little bit more emphasis on that rather than, you know, you're playing the game to win and this, that, and the other. So, yeah. Because one of the key times, isn't it, as you'll know, is that you get an hour a week to train. Maybe If you're lucky, you may get two sessions, two hours a week. So that's golden time with that child. And you've got to invest and maximise that opportunity. You've got to make sure those children have got much ball-rolling time as possible. Yeah. That All of them are involved in that session as much as possible. But that coach has got to have a fresh library of ideas and how to adapt yeah. things. They've got to be able to see where things aren't working and change it, change the structure of, of, of the session. They've got to be able to make all those adaptations so that everyone has a maximum enjoyment and, and learns. And, 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 and I think as well, it. you can't learn that online. No. You can't. Like I I did oh, I did my level one in 2010, 10, 12, 13 years ago. And your level one, when I did mine in college, you had a group of players who who were on the course with you and you had to deliver a session to them. The level two was the same a couple of years after. Um, and the B license again was exactly the same. But I think it's it's not as important for a B license coach or a level two coach to coach a group of his peers or a, a team. It's more important for a level one coach who's doing that course to be in front of face-to-face rather than online yeah. because then it becomes a bit of a worthless piece of paper. Yeah. And then when you get to your level two, 
okay, you might have had experience with your team and stuff like that, but having that mentor there from that first qualification and being able to chat to you about what you do, like on your level one, do they do in situ visits or anything like that? Do they come out and assess you while you coach or is it literally you just answer a load of questions? And it, Don't get me wrong, the, the level one online structure that the FA produce, is it, it's very good. It mm. delivers a very good content. Um, content. And um, the Playmaker course, which is free, is fantastic. Mm. It really is fantastic. And any and anyone who volunteers, I would highly recommend you do the Playmaker. 100%, yeah. Whether or not, yeah. You, whether you're just there as uh, a volunteer helping out in, in the tuck shop or whatever it may be, you will get a lot of value out of doing the Playmaker. It's huge to coaches because the Playmaker course teaches all about safeguarding, first aid, basic session structure. Yeah. It's huge. And that should inspire you then to go on to level one coaching which which hopefully it does for a lot of people because it's brilliant um but it the level one i i, I was looking i did my level one and, and i was with a, with a cheshire fa yeah coach and the questions you can ask that person during the session is so valuable and he will see he or she will see weaknesses in in, in some of the things that are going on and teach you to train to change what you're doing and and teach you to think about how to change things, mm. you don't get that feedback necessarily on a course. No, not especially on an online course. I mean, so it might benefit some people that way. Some people might want to learn online, but there's a lot of people firsthand, and you find probably a lot of football coaches, they need to be told that feedback or they need to have that ability to ask ask human questions, and yeah. especially to people who've got experience and, and to do it and stuff like that. So... Uh, yeah, there's something that could And this be goes like back that. to where the question you asked, what would I change within my club? I want to invest more time in that piece. Because if 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 we've got a peninsula or or Ian who's our UA for B investing good quality time into coaches, then everything bounces off that. Yeah. Everything gets fed into the kids and the kids get the maximum enjoyment. And we get that right and we invest time into that, then we will build and build and build because hopefully it will inspire other volunteers mm. to cross that line. And the more volunteers we have in the club, the more football we can provide to more children. Mm. And and I, and I, do do I am do I have the ambition to be the biggest and best club around? No, I don't. And that's an honest answer. What I want is to make sure that every child that walks through that door enjoys the football. That's that's the that's. The, that's the, the the target. That that is what we want to aspire to. Whether that be ten kids or a hundred kids or a thousand kids, I want a hundred percent enjoyment satisfaction at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think on that note, that's a great one to finish on. Um, thanks for coming in. And finally, we got second time round. We got it done, didn't we? <laughs> no, I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time, yeah. and, and and it's been great. Thank you. So, any of the Bromborough and Eastern managers who are listening to this, just make sure you pump Reese for all his questions. <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Get social at the Grassroots Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.